hi everybody, it's Wrong Term Memory and it's me, Jack, and Colin's here as well, as usual. <laughs> how are you, mate? I am here, yeah, I'm good, <laughs> mate, I'm not bad at all. Uh, how are you, you alright? Yeah, okay, man. Um, my car was in for an MOT recently, actually. So was mine. Mine was bad news, but... Oh, like fuck. It was, it was new tyres, new brake discs, new suspension coils, it failed emissions, and one or two other things and basically to pass its MOT I come to him I'm going to take it somewhere else and get a second opinion but I come to the first guy I took it to it was going to cost £1,200 to pass its MOT fucking <laughs> hell which just after Christmas in January and just after moving house is something that I will not um, I'm, I'm not just going to hand it over to the first guy that tells me that but I'm going to take it to, to somebody, somebody else that we know because we're in a, just in a mad rush so we end up just going to a place local yeah. don't know the guy and um, Karen went went down by herself, and I just don't know. I, maybe I'm passing assertions. I just don't know where a woman going in by herself if some guys just thought to herself, right, we'll yeah. about here. Um, we're going to speak to um, somebody else. Anyway, that's an MOT story and a booting the balls for me. But apart from that, um, I'm hoping to get that cheaper off of somebody else we know. Um, so hopefully the motor will um, back in the road soon. But I'm hoping fucking £1,200, man. That is an absolute robbery. No, that's horrible. My my daughter had her MOT as well, just there, me and her both of ours. Hers was 800 quid because her engine had fucking eroded. Um, but that's one thing that, that it's a really old car she's got. Mine, mine passed with nothing, no issues, thankfully. So I was 50 quid for the test and that was it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I could feel the brakes in me. I thought we just need new brake pads or new brake shoes or whatever you call them. Like... Um, which aren't that expensive. I don't. I think only. I think only like thirty quid or something like that. Plus, yeah. plus labour. But when the guy said twelve hundred pound, I nearly shot my, nearly shot my briefs, man. That was only about an hour ago. So I said to the guy, no, not not quite an hour ago. A couple of hours ago, I said to the guy, I'll just come down and pick, pick up my motor tomorrow. Um, so, MOT stories aside, man. Um, if you're listening on Patreon, this is going to be early. If you're listening on the public feed, then boo to you. Um, but you'll be listening to this on Monday, the twenty third of January. And the patrons will be listening to it on the Thursday before that because they are the real top potatoes. But basically, um, I found out that the Hall of Fame, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that is called, um, inducted its first members on January 23rd, 1986. Even though right, I had okay. them since 1983, because I think they spent years trying to find the right place for it. And it ended up uh, being in Cleveland, in Ohio. Um, I think they put it out to a public vote. Now, that, uh, this isn't in the notes, this is going off of memory in a podcast that I listened to. I think they put it out to a vote and they were thinking, oh, it's just, it will get voted to LA. And then right. for some reason, because rock and rollers or whatever wanted to be a bit out there, they decided to go to Cleveland in Ohio and they stuck by their guns and that's what it is. That's what it is now. Any thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mate? Like, I know it's not really your genre of music it's not really mine to be fair um it's well i think you're right it's not but i don't think it's strictly the rock and roll hall of fame anymore really it's more of a a musical hall of fame over the years but yeah i know we'll it's got one rule i think yeah you can't go into it until you've had a, you've had uh until 25 years after your first album that's one of the kind of rules that you can't you can't go into it until you at least did that sort of a a lifespan because i remember a couple of years ago, there was a lot of chat about Kanye getting into it, but he's not eligible until 2029, I think it would be, because um, that would be 25 years since the college dropout. So that's kind of my beginning 
middle and end of knowledge on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, apart from the stuff we've kind of went through today. No, well, that, that's good that you've mentioned that because I was, before we get to the sort of basically the first members, were Little Richard, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Dominoes, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, and Je- Jerry Lee Lewis, and of course, Elvis Presley was in there as well. So I've heard of nearly all those guys. Like, I'll, I'll kind of admit I hadn't heard much about Fats Domino or okay. Sam Cooke, really. But we're going to get to these guys' stories. But you did mention it should be like a a musical Hall of Fame, basically. And if you've got the notes open in front of you, mate, which I hope you do, I've sent a wee link that says uh, top 10 most inappropriate inductees. All right, let me just open that. Um, while I'm opening that, the one you said you weren't sure about, Fats Domino, uh-huh. um, there's a funny story about him in that his name is a piss take of Chubby Checker. Um, so there was another artist called Chubby Checker, and Fats Domino was basically named as a piss take to him. Right, okay, we'll get to something about him in the title of his first song and why he was sort of called it, because I think his first hit was called The Fat Man. That was some noise there, man, whatever that was. I don't know if it was at mine, but we do apologise if you heard that. Um, yeah, so pe- people seem to really get pissed about this. And I can, do you know what? I can kind of see why. See if it's a rock and roll hall of fame. There should be some sort of, I don't know, rules almost. I, I think there should be some rules, unless it's just going to be a music hall of fame. Why there's not a music hall of fame, I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's not just a musical one. Like, we'll go through a list of people that are on um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we'll see what your opinion is on them being there. And then we'll maybe read some of the comments on this page. Because okay. when you open comments sections to the general public, um, you tend to get some whoppers. So we'll start with number one here. Madonna, mate. She's in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, any thoughts on Madonna being in there? Again, is this going to be the same and you're just going to go, you don't really care? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so let's let's treat the, whole, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as, as what it is, right? Which is probably the most established music Hall of Fame out there, right? right. It's, okay. it's, the, it's the place to be. And Madonna absolutely should be in there. Um, she's... Been uh, she's done the twenty five years easily. She's had hit after hit after hit, and her music stands the test of time. Some of it's fucking terrible. Some of it's tremendous. So for me, for who she is, what she represented, and the impact she probably had on pop culture, absolutely should be in there. Yeah, basically, there's a couple of comments here. So they should just change the name to the Music Hall of Fame. I'm surprised it isn't a thing yet, and why? This is, this is, I'm going to read this verbatim. And why does people react like they didn't have impact on music? They didn't inducting themselves. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Okay, I get what you're saying. It's not like they put them in. So maybe some people are getting angry at, Mad- at Madonna for being in there. Um, like you say, like this guy says, they didn't induct on themselves. But, right, okay. So you, you're all right with her being in there. Michael Jackson Absolutely. then? Yes, Um Musically, 100%. Um, obviously, there's Dubai to Michael Jackson that was never properly proven, although the evidence does kind of lean a certain way. But yeah, from a music point of view, absolute genius. Should be in every Hall of Fame. Yeah. Michael Jackson does not deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because for the same reason for Stevie and Madonna. 
think even Stevie Wonder who we'll get to, because he's just not rock. The only thing he ever did which was even close to rock was his collaboration with Eddie Van Halen. Even then, it's just one song. And then another guy says, Beat It is definitely a rock song. The guitar riffs are done by Eddie Van Halen. So, um, again, I've got no... I, I, I'm at the stage I don't really care, but it would be a really shitty podcast if I just went, I don't care that they're in. I kind of think that you should at least play an instrument would be a, would be a start for me. Like, you know, like produce your own sort of stuff. Even getting back to Fats Domino's and stuff like that, he would play the, I was going to say the keyboard, but piano, you know what I mean? Um, back in the fucking 40s and 50s and stuff like that, they were playing guitars and things. That would be my only sort of criteria. That's why I don't think the next guy should be in. Oh, uh, we're, we're going to fall out over the next one then. <laughs> and that is um, Tupac. He's a rapper. Yeah. And again, if we're going down that niche the more niche definition of rock and roll Hall of Fame. I don't think Tupac or the next guy's NWA should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. Um they do what they do. <laughs> oh, I totally disagree. Like obviously, um up until he, he went bad and started being a bad person to his bipolar disease and things like that, I, I was well famed for saying that um Kanye was the world's greatest living rock star. Um Tupac, probably the greatest rapper of all time. Um I grew up with posters of Tupac on my wall. I thought he was just the coolest guy. Loved all his albums. He did so much for rap music and absolutely should be in any music hall of fame as well. Uh, any music hall of fame? This is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Again, I thought... It's just, but it's their music hall of fame, though. It's it's. Well, everybody it's the, on this list should be in then. Basically, because no. well, Aretha Franklin, she's well famous. <laughs> she done tons of songs back in the day like a, a leading light for woman black woman so she, she she should definitely win as well then um if we're going to quickly just skip over for franklin then i suppose she probably should be because of, the, of what she did the, the, the one that's the, the fourth entry i don't necessarily agree with who nwa i did say yeah, that I, yeah i don't necessarily nwa had they were quite breakthrough in terms of what they did and obviously some of their members went on to great things but as a collective unit, and I'm not, I'm not, not convinced of that one at all. Right, okay. So Aretha Franklin, what's Stevie Wonder then? Well, we, we all know Stevie Wonder is a gimmick. Um, <laughs> he is not a blind man. Um, he pretends to be blind to help sell records. And um, he's quite overrated. We've all seen him catch falling microphone stands and know who people are right away and stuff. He is not a blind man. And until he becomes honest and truthful about his true visual ability, he should not be in any Hall of Fame. Right, okay. So Stevie Wonder, the blind fraud, should be banned for being a fraud. ABBA, mate, ABBA are in there. What are you thinking about that? Quite simply, the greatest pop group of all time. Um, Absolutely tremendous. They write beautiful, amazing, long-lasting music. Um, if your thoughts on ABBA start and end with Dancing Queen, then I'm so sorry for you, uh, because it, it is, Dancing Queen is horrible. But honestly, what a fucking band they are. They are tremendous, and they deserve to be in it 100%. They, the music's beautiful. Like I said, it, it lasts, the, the, it, it lasts the, the kind of time. It still sounds fresh today. They came back last year with a new album, and it had some great songs on it. Um ABBA used to be a kind of guilty pleasure of mine that I didn't really tell anybody about. But as a 38-year-old man now, I don't give a fuck. And I just, I will praise ABBA all day long. 
and they're one of the few people I'll actually put on in the car rather than podcasts. ABBA are brilliant, Jack. Yeah, Soldier of Fortune seems to agree with you there, Colin. Don't get me wrong, I love ABBA, but they are only, in inverted commas, the greatest pop group ever, not rock. So again, just sort of about the whole rock thing there. Public Enemy? Nah. Same as NWA for me. Um, right. Did some great stuff, um, but I don't think they're a rock and roll Hall of Fame band. Jackson 5? Um, nothing but funk, pop and early disco. They have yeah. nothing to do with rock, according to some commenter here. They don't. They don't have anything to do with rock. And when when you look at the Jackson 5, it's quite a sad story because they were basically just five boys that were bullied and battered and abused by their father. But we let Michael Jackson in, so we can't really count against things like that. But, but if, if, if you ask me to name... Michael Jackson songs, I could probably name you 25 Michael Jackson songs off the top of my head. I'd struggle to name five Jackson 5 songs. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the difference between the two. And then finally, number 10. I'm, I'm going to go through some of the contenders in a minute as well. Um, because there's some quite interesting ones that are considering as a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and people are sort of saying, like, Metallica shouldn't be in there. You know, it's kind of like, well... Anyway, Donna Summer. What do you think of Donna Summer? Um, she feels love. Um, yeah, she's disco classics. She's if you're putting people in here that do pop music, then there's a place for Donna Summer, hundred percent. So we get run the contenders. Run DMC again, probably not. Uh, Laura Nairo, never heard of Laura Nairo. Never heard of her either, mate. Uh, an American songwriter and pianist. She achieved critical acclaim with her own recordings, particularly the albums Ellie and the Thirteenth Confession and New York Tenderberry. And had commercial success with, with artists such as Barbara Streisand and the Fifth Dimension recording her songs. Doesn't help me. It's, no, it nope. doesn't ring a bell at all. Uh, Bob Marley? Yeah, he should be there. He's Bob Marley, reggae music. Yeah. He's kind of iconic, isn't he? Green Day. Yeah, he, I just hate Green Day. <laughs> um, <sighs> they've got just, some just songs. Be, just because of Billy Joe Armstrong, such a wank. Anyway, yeah. Um, Dookie and Kerplunk are two great albums. There was one of the first albums I had on cassette back when I was still at bloody primary school. Um, but I think they probably should. In a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's definitely a place for Green Day. Probably, so, yeah, I would say they should. Get Again, I would think there's probably a place for the Red Hot Chili Peppers as well oh. in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't particularly like them. have seen them live many, many years ago, but that's just because you went to shop. Well, I went to see anybody for a couple of years when I was about 18, 19, so... Um, um, I don't like the Touch Chili Peppers at all, but no. given the, the amount of years they've been going and the success and stuff, then yeah, they probably do deserve to be in it, but yeah. they are shit. I'm going to skip a few here. I'm going to go to Kiss. Surely, like, they should be in there. One of the biggest fucking hair rock or glam rock, whatever you want to call them, in the 70s and 80s. I don't see why there's any sort of Dubai about whether they should be in there. Yeah, I would have them in there. I think probably the only thing that goes against them with some of these rock and roll heads is the fact that some people see them as a gimmick because of the costumes and the face paint and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, Radiohead, they kind of played rocky-ish music for the depressed, so they've got a certain (laughs) genre there. Metallica, they sort of heavy thrash metal pioneers or whatever you want to call them, so I don't see why they... Kind of shouldn't be in there. The one of the biggest heavy metal bands of all time. This is going to cause ruckuses with people listening to this because on the contender list of who should not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is at number twenty. 
That's yeah. So the Beatles, <laughs> absolute mental. Whoever doesn't think they should be in there, even, um, even me, uh, it's just mental saying that. Uh, like absolutely mental. Um, again, you've got people saying they were a pop band, not a rock and roll band, y'all. Um, and then you've got other people saying seriously, the Beatles is the most popular rock band of all time. <laughs> That's I tend to lean more towards that. People, the, 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 the important point here, I think, is that pop music is a very open genre, right, in terms of what does it mean? It means popular music, right? So a rock and roll band can become a popular band because all it means is they become popular and they get played on mainstream radio the same way that every now and then you get a classical song that just hits or it appears in an advert or something and that crosses into popular music. Um, you get the odd opera, you get other bits and pieces like that. So dismissing them as a pop band, I think, just doesn't do anybody any, any it just does them a disservice, I think, because it's the fucking Beatles, they change music. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, I didn't think we'd spend that long on that list, actually. We've not actually got to the meat and bones of... This is actually one of the articles I'm most proud of. I spent a couple of hours doing this today, rather than sort of 10 minutes putting it together. It's actually on the Long Term Memory website if you want to... Uh, take a read of our notes and watch some music videos from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees of 1986. Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Rock Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them, just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. Start with Chuck Berry, right? Slightly reordered this because I was going to start with uh, Little Richard and James Brown, but they're, they're kind of the most um, out there, basically. So I kind of left it until a little bit later. But Chuck Berry, um, obviously known as a sort of pioneer of rock and roll, known for his guitar work, songwriting, and a lots and lots of showmanship, basically. He had hits like Roll Over Beethoven, Sweet Little Sixteen, Johnny Be Good. And uh, Maybelline um, helped lay the foundation, basically, for rock and roll music. But, Colin, not a lot of these guys, like, a lot of them have got dark stories, basically, because of their, I think, because of their fame, because of who they were. And Chuck Berry's not, um, has got skeletons, basically. That, like, well, I'll let you take this, actually, because... It kind of covers not how I feel about the situation because <laughs> taking fourteen-year-old girls anywhere um, is bad news. But what was happening? What was happening in nineteen fifty-nine with Chuck Berry, mate? So back in nineteen fifty-nine, uh, Chuck Berry was arrested for taking a fourteen-year-old girl, a girl called Janice Escalante, um, across state lines for immoral purposes. Um, I think we can all kind of guess what that means. Um, a crime for which he eventually served two years in prison. Um, people might dismiss that as, you know, okay, what well, was 60 years ago, different time, different vibe, different morals and all that sort of stuff. And 
I get that argument from some people, even though I don't agree with it. However, it wasn't just the only thing he was involved in. He was also accused of installing a video camera in the ladies' toilets. This is mad. Of, a, of, a, of his own. He had a restaurant in Missouri, and he put a video camera in the ladies' toilets and um, looked at those tapes. And basically, in 1989, they found these tapes in his house and um, he was given a suspended sentence and he settled a class action suit against 59 women. So there was obviously at least 59 women that were found on these tapes, identified, still about, who oh. recognised themselves and raised a case. I, I would imagine if there's a, like a, a case like that, then you can multiply that number by 10, probably, for the actual total amount of people that were involved in it. Oh. Um, it's fucking creepy, right? Because it's when you break this down, right, this isn't a... Like nothing, no, installing a secret camera anywhere, right, is creepy behaviour. It's yeah. not allowed, right? If it was put in a dressing room in a shop or something like that, and he was maybe getting a chance to see these people naked, then you could understand why somebody would want to do that. To put it in a toilet to watch girls shit is something completely different. It's just wrong, and in some ways it's worse. So, yeah, Chuck Berry... Um, responsible for such a great hit, I think, in the Back to the Future movies. Um, still a scummy scumbag by the sounds of things. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. Now, was who was, Steve Van Zandt was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, defending somebody. And it might be Jerry Lee. It was somebody, right? It was one of these rock and roll guys back in the day in the South. You... you you married or you had sex with 14 and 15 year olds. That was just what was done. And he was sort of, he seemed to be backing himself right into a corner. But that, again, with Chuck Berry, I, I can separate art and artist, right? I, like, mm-hmm. I, I can do that. I, I still think Michael Jackson made some great songs. Um, I mean, I, I can do that. So, uh, but these guys seem to get off, not off lightly, but. I'd never heard that this was such a creep. This was only in 1989. You can kind, like I said, you can kind of get the... It's wrong, but you can kind of get the stuff that happened in the 50s. Yeah. Because morals were different back then. But this was in our lifetime. and You've just not heard a word about it. Some of these guys, I think, because their fame just get a bit of a an easy ride anyway. So um, They get an easy ride or or they can afford the best lawyers. It's one of the two, isn't it? Aye, that's probably, uh, it's probably, there's probably a lot of, what do you call that, where you sign a thing, you can't even talk about it, or you get fucking sued. Um, yeah, like agreements. a, a non-disclosure agreement and all that. Yeah, it could be that. But that's part of it as well. I think they, he's got so much money, and these guys have so much money, they can just, they get sentences or they get punishments that are far, far more lenient than you and I would get if we were to ever open up a restaurant and put a camera in the toilets. Yeah. Uh, Ray Charles, I couldn't really find I couldn't really find anything scandalous about this guy. Um, he, like he really enjoyed taking heroin. I know that, right? He was right into heroin and stuff like that, and I think everybody knows that. But um, for a blind guy, he had an interest in flying. And he yeah, was, which makes you, makes you think that he's possibly uh, a, bit, a little bit like Stevie Wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely determined to buy his own airplane. Uh, and during the early nineteen sixties, he bought a five passenger, um, what's it called, Cessna three ten which was piloted by a guy called Tom McGarry, one of the very few black Air Force veterans. And then <laughs> during flights, often Ray Charles would ask McGarry questions about the plane and would even help the pilot under the plane's hood 
uh, on some nights instead of McGarrity switching to autopilot, he would let Ray Charles fly the plane, <laughs> listening. He would listen to the hum of the beam tones of the radar. That that's supposedly like he had super hearing, <laughs> like, right. so that he could fly a plane. Now I've heard about this on another podcast or on something on the telly, and they don't really know the truth behind this about whether or not he did and got on the plane. But there are contemporary reports of people that got on the plane. Everybody was full of heroin on the plane, and the, the captain did let Ray Charles fly a plane, even though he blinds up. I was going to say blinds up. They can, but they can see a little bit. <laughs> right, I'd never heard this before, right, at all. This is this is brand new information to me, right? But my thoughts on this are, right, if Ray Charles is actually a blind man, right, my thoughts are this captain said, I, Ray, I'm definitely not pressing the autopilot button. The autopilot button <laughs> is not pressed, right? On you go, my man. Fly away. You're doing great. I just, if somebody's an Air Force pilot, right, especially somebody that was, was so good at it that he was able to become one of the very first and few black ones at that time, uh-huh. I don't see him fucking about in the cockpit. Um, it just seems madness. Maybe it is true, but the whole, he was so musically in tune, he could listen to the hum of the radar and all <laughs> that sort of stuff. It just sounds a bit fucking Hollywood. I reckon he was told he was flying to shut him up, uh, but the autopilot was definitely on. I like I say, there, there is some sort of contemporary reports from people that were on planes with him that said he did get a shot at Um But again, <laughs> whether or not they were taking the heroin as well, we'll never really know. Um, so Sam Cooke was one of the ones that I didn't really know um, a hell of a lot about. Um, smooth vocals, supposedly, and hit songs such as You Send Me in Wonderful World. Now, I find this... Like, not like, I'll admit... I hold my hands up to doing some shoddy research sometimes and literally just going to Google and going on to top 10 fact sites and stuff like that. But I found this really quite interesting article. It goes into a wee bit more detail about Sam Cooke because I think he's got quite a sad story. Um, so we'll just, we'll just go through this together, mate, right? So he was born yeah, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, uh, where music was brewed in the family. I'm just going to read this verbatim, so if there's any funny language in it like that, there's no me saying it. Um, so, along with eight siblings, he started his career at the age of six, basically, when he joined the Chicago group, The Singing Children. This early exposure made him pretty confident, and he soon replaced the gospel tenor R.H. Harris as the lead singer of the gospel group, The Soul Stirrers, in 1950. Unlike many other contemporary African-American uh, artists, um, he didn't rush to a pop career, so a lot of people would have definitely just wanted to get famous, get fast, and get money. Um, to increase his popularity. Rather, um, he attracted young listeners to the gospel genre through his soulful voice and sparkling personality. So like, he was a he seemed like a well-liked guy, um, even at a young age, and he, he wasn't fame-hungry back then. So the, the picture that's getting painted of this guy is, is, a, is a pretty sound guy, basically. Absolutely. And uh, during this time, there was a bit of a stigma against gospel singers performing secular music. So when he finally did decide to start doing a little bit of pop music and venture into the pop territory, he released a single called Lovable uh, back in 1956, but he did it under the pseudonym of Dale Cook. Um, however, his voice was so well known by that time that he just couldn't dupe MD for long, really. Um, but he did end up getting blessings from the most unpredictable person. His pastor father uh, gave him his blessing for a career in secular music, and he set out to win over the world with his distinctive voice. Um, he was co-coded on this. He said, my father told me it was not what I sang that was important, but that God gave me a voice 
a musical talent, and the true use of his gift was to share it and make people happy. And it was during that time that he changed his name from Cook to Cook, with an E at the end. Um, the additional E marked the beginning of his new life. Yeah, so he was pretty successful pretty quickly because he, he kind of already had that sort of underlying young fan base and stuff like that. So um, pretty promptly um, after the song You Send Me was released as a B-side of summertime in 1957, that ranked at number one in both the R&B charts and the Billboard pop charts at the time. So big success, grand success under the RCA Victor record label. Um, we he had a chain of hits basically in one year. A chain Gang, Sad Mood, Cupid. Bring it home to me and so on. He started his own record label, which was called SAR Records in 1961. Um, but it was only three years later that his career as a musician and record label owner was to sadly come to an end, Colin. Yes, as so many before him on 11th of December 1964, he was shot dead by the Hacienda Motel's manager, a guy called Bertha, Brank- Bertha Franklin in LA. Um, according to Bertha, it was an act of self-defence as early in the evening, Cook had burst into her office naked, except for one shoe and a sports jacket, and he violently grabbed her, asking for a woman. Uh, the two of them then struggled and fell on the floor, and when Bertha got up and procured the gun, she shot Cook out of fear and then hit him on the head for a broomstick. Um, the motel's owner at the time, a woman called Evelyn Carr, supported Bertha's story, claiming that she was on the telephone at the time when Cook invaded her office, and it was Carr who informed the police after hearing the gunshots. Well, that's it, because like we, we sort of mentioned at the beginning of his sort of nice upbringing, seemed like a nice boy who wasn't fame-hungry and, and was would wait for success, um, but there's maybe a bit of a darker side to him. Because the woman Cook was asking for was uh, Eliza Bauer, who met Cook earlier that evening at a diner. Uh, after the two spent a good time um, together with one another, Cook allegedly forced Boyer to accompany him um, to the motel, basically. And once inside him, Cook tried to rape Boyer, um, who fled the scene when Cook went to the bathroom. So she took her chance and ran away. Good for her. Um, she claimed that in her haste, uh, she scooped up Cook's clothes along with hers, and she knocked on Bertha's door on her way out seeking help, but rushed out before it was too late. Called the police from a nearby telephone booth. So he might be a, he might be a rapist. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's other stories around it. Witnesses at the witnesses at the restaurant, Martoni's, uh, where they were drinking earlier, claimed that Bower went, Boyer went willingly with Cook, um, perhaps intending to rob him. Uh, although both Bertha and Boyer were declared innocent in the court, which ruled it a justifiable homicide, the conspiracy theory regarding Cook's death didn't die out. Cook's friends and family never believed it was an accident. Uh, they always claimed the story was fabricated, indicated that some people ganged up and murdered Cook. Um, famous singer Etta James uh, wrote after viewing Cook's body that the injuries he sustained were much more serious than the official record stated. He was so violently beaten that his head was nearly separated from his shoulders. His hands were broken and his nose mangled. Um, Bertha received several death threats afterwards and was forced to leave her job and migrate. Uh, and when Boyer was charged with second-degree murder in 1979 after fighting with a boyfriend, after which he ended up dead, questions were once again raised regarding the legitimacy of the court judgment. So that's it. You know, like a like a false claim of rape um, is is dreadful and grim, uh, kind of almost as as the act itself or the attempted act. So uh, one may question the truth um, in both Bertha and Boyer's statements, but we. Also, must not forget how society treated 
and kind of still treat straight victims today. Their stories are always claimed to be illegitimate and baseless. Um, they're always blamed for horrible things that happen to them. And they're sort of threatened endlessly once they gain the strength to come out with the story, you know. And it's kind of the same nowadays. Like, this guy was a shagger. And it was a bit of an open secret, basically. So there was tons of women that said that he was the father of their child. And though he supported them with financial aid, it doesn't take away from the fact that he could have been a potential rapist. Um, and this is just to wrap it up. This is from the author of this article. Often we turn a blind eye to the nasty side of celebrated figures. But we must view all the details and probable truths as objectively as possible before jumping to a conclusion. While the threads of life and death are confusing in equal measure, one thing that cannot be denied is his impact in culture during a short time at the top of the show pile. So yeah, conflicting stories, I don't really know. Well, I don't think we'll ever know the, the real truth to what happened there, but um, definitely a shagger anyway. <laughs> if nothing else, a shagger, potentially more, which is disappointing, but it's just what happens with these guys, isn't it? It's, it's, it's just so many stories like this. I tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to split this into two parts, Colin. Uh, so we'll be back next week. And we're going to start with a guy called Fats Domino. Um, so yeah, we'll do that. Uh, just okay. before we wrap it up, well, again, as always, give a shout out to um, our pals at David Cox Butchers, Colin. Um, as we, we give them a shout, you, you should definitely go and order stuff from DavidCoxButchers.co.uk tastiest meat from the smoky cupboard as I like to call it um, absolutely, absolutely magic stuff but they've got Fats Domino's was a fat guy right we'll get there but they do have they've got healthy options at the butchers as well so they do call yeah they do they've got a whole range of less than 5% fat which includes things like um, square sausage mince burgers stew um, lorn and also a whole bunch of I don't want to say ready meals because they're not ready meals, but slimming world friendly meals, right. which they actually cook in the stores and you can just take them home and put them in your oven. Things like Chinese beef, garlic and soy chicken, Italian meatballs, all that sort of stuff. There's about 15 different ones to choose from. So if your New Year's resolutions are going well and you're trying to stay healthy, you can still get some quality gear from them as well at davidcoxbutchers.co.uk. Yeah, that'll do us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we will speak to you soon. Bye.